Tonight on the Superhero Hour Hour, will Arrow pull off a Groundhog Day plotline? Is this week's Watchmen the greatest episode of television in history? Will Arrow pull off a Groundhog Day plotline? All of those questions answered on this episode of the Superhero Hour Hour. Nerds, and welcome to the Superhero Hour Hour, the only podcast on the internet that celebrates and demands more of all of the TV shows that are based on comic books or comic book properties. Mike, I'm sorry. Did I? Uh, I just found out. I just got a memo right now that I'm hosting. Did I come in too hot there? I've never seen an Olympic runner take off in a race and not realize that's what they were doing. Like, somebody <laughs> told them right before the gun went off that, like, you're about to go for gold. My body has that cartoon thing where uh, my legs start running, and then they're gone. Mm-hmm. And then my the top half of the body's still there going, like, what? Because right before you start running, Taylor always brings his authentic katana and slices you right in half. Now, the way that you run, however, is a little bit different. You run uh, in a big dust cloud, big white dust cloud, mm-hmm. but... Uh, Different people's limbs come out of it. limbs, yeah. Like you're fighting 40 people, but when you stop, it's just you. There's nowhere in the rule book says that you can't have a 40-person brawl to take you all the way to that medal. From now on, I'm only accepting sentences that start with, there's nowhere in the rule book. You're you're always going to get gold after that. Most of my the way I live my life is having to yell against authority that there was nowhere specifically in the rule book that said I couldn't be doing the thing I was just doing. And this is all based on your love of the Airbud dog sport series. I celebrate the entire canine sports franchise, yes. Um, and since then, sports have still not put in the rule book that Airbud or any other dog cannot play. No, they tried, but that, that Airbud's been dead for years, so just a new Airbud took its place. Do dogs consider Airbud the Jackie Robinson of every single sport? <laughs> yeah, but. Only if Jackie Robinson was greedy and try to get every sport and not let other Jackie Robinsons in. <laughs> but so, no, it's just Airbud. Big Airbud came in and shut, like, kicked the yeah. ladders down for all other dogs. Well, he his kids, you would think at least he'd be nepotistic, but no, he's like, fuck you, go hang out with Santa. And that's where Santa Paws came from. He Even his children, he would not play in an all dog soccer team. Those are all the Santa buddies. It's nice, though, for his children that um, Santa was there to sweep them all up and start a whole new franchise. All Santa wants is cheap labor with creatures that may or may not understand that they're just doing free work for him. Long-eared, cute creatures that, yeah, it's just free labor the whole time. It's his fucking bread and butter. Is that what the man? Is that what Mando's doing? That's what Mando's. Yeah, he's raising that thing. He just, thinks he's just a Santa Claus who thinks he's got his first elf. Everybody else keeps saying your kid, like your boy, and he's just like that thing I'm lumped with. Yeah. <laughs> is everyone in the Mando's world a little too PC? Like they don't want like I'm sure his mom uh, died, and I guess uh, most of the features came from the mom. I guess. So that are the ears from her or your side <laughs> of the family or what? It is just the sexy gremlin, yes. It is just the well. I mean, sexy gremlin is sexy gremlin. Uh, Greta gremlin at the end of Gremlins Two, the new batch. <laughs> Oh, well, yeah, of course, it's Greta Gremlin, everybody's favorite new director. But, no, I meant the mother. The mother is that. 
I'm not oh, saying the right. little baby Yoda is the sexy gremlin. That is gross. It's only 50 years old, Ryan. So you think Boba Fett and Greta Gremlin had two kids, and that's Mando and Baby Yoda? Yeah, and I'm very excited for the Weird Al song that's about that coming out soon. What's it a parody of? It is a parody. Oh, it's Wrecking Ball. Okay. And, and what's uh, its title? <laughs> if you could sing that real quick for me, Mike, I would love that. I came in like a sexy gremlin. Oh, it's, man. It's, it's, the, it's the most... Uh, like, it's the grossest, most on-the-nose weird out. It's, it talks about coming in a sexy gremlin, Ryan. We're all in the media. We're reporters, you know. We're I mean, like, we're commenters, analyzers, reporters. We're Fake in the media. Um, we all, as a group, as a union, uh, we're trying to protect the fact that Weird Al sucks now and doesn't have it anymore. And you just revealed that that's the case when you told <laughs> about this very real song that he's currently writing. Mm-hmm. He's been in the booth for weeks, and it's not getting better. We know what the least amount of drafts Weird Al has ever had for a song. What's the most, do you think? I, I and, think and please keep in mind that I am talking about Pop Filter Hall of Famer, one of my Pop favorite filter, musicians and people. How, what's I, the most amount of drafts? I just think he realized nobody needed to hear a nine-minute version of The Saga Begins, but he got 37 drafts on that one. And then on top of that, to whittle it down, every line. like At first, it wasn't like a whole verse. It was line here, line there. There's 107 drafts you know, to the you song know, begins. Do you know Albuquerque? I love Albuquerque. No, the the Weird Al song. Oh no, I met Thumb in the city. Uh, Albuquerque was eight drafts that he just stapled all together and sang them, and that's what created the greatest song in rock history. So it's just like a a mashup of his own lyrics. Yes, I like that. That's more artists should do that. Also, listening to some, I think they do that. Mike, do you know what the fuck we're talking about tonight? I could not tell you. I could not, I'm going to guess it's a, a granddaddy show that helped create us, but it has been so boring and forgettable, I can't even tell you what one we're supposed to be talking about tonight. The Dick Van Dyke Show? It's, no, I said forgettable, not the thing that made me the way I am. You like Dick Van Dyke? I've never seen an ottoman I haven't tripped over. <laughs> Good. Um, we are actually going to talk about The Walking Dead. Oh, and I got to tell you, you may have been on vacation, but last time we talked about it, um, it went well. Like, we sort of liked it. Not just Taylor saying, am I crazy or is The Walking <laughs> Dead getting a little better? I'm going to give it 42 more episodes. Um, I don't know how you thought of it or how I thought of it. We haven't watched it yet. We're going to, this is the first time tonight we're going to watch it and comment live. It's, it's time to reveal behind the curtain. Most of the time we come in and do an intro, then all hold hands and watch a show together. Uh-huh. And then record those segments. And it's a little bit of the mystery of the cave thing where most of us are in a cave and then like Greg will uh, just put up shadows and describe the show to us as it happens. He's shadow interpreting the show for us, yes. And it, like we want that job, but he's the best. He's got the moves, and he's the only one of us that owns a leotard. There are things his fingers do mm-hmm. that I feel like only an Air Bud level talent could pull <laughs> off. It's amazing. He better change the rules of who does that or Air Bud's going to come in and take over. Oh, you do not want Big Pud taking your job. We're going to talk about The Walking Dead. We're going to talk about every other show that came out this week. But before that, let's get to the super secret, serious, shishy bullpen. And we're back. Welcome to the super serious, shishy bullpen. Mike. Ryan. Tonight, we are going to do something a little bit weird. We're going to steal an idea. I love it. The best artist steal. Is that that weird for us? Is Is that what we typically do? It depends on who you talk to. If you talk to the 
Comic book adventure hour? Yes, that is all we do. <laughs> uh, if you talk to Serial, mm-hmm. we stole the idea for podcasting. Yes. Captain Crunch is always just like, these motherfuckers, you have no idea. <laughs> and our podcast, Oops All Podcast, is way more famous than his stupid bullshit. <laughs> what? Is it, My, that's uh, a recording just of every podcast that week in one file? Uh-huh. But like there, there's the whole like uh, novelty of somebody had a box of all the podcasts <laughs> and tripped, and they all went everywhere. Yeah, their marketing decision is a fuck up. And I gotta say, dude, and all the research is not in yet, but I don't think it was an accident. I think that they're hiding behind this oops because they weren't sure if people would like it or not. So like, we'll say it was a mistake. <laughs> somebody, somebody wanted there to be all berries, and I think we should get to the bottom of this. They should now call it Oops All Not Berries, because I don't know what the other things are called. Did I tell you, and I didn't because I only talked to you on this podcast, uh, that at Thanksgiving I found out that my wife's brother bought online a bag of Lucky Charms with all of the brown things taken out. He had an entire bag just of cereal marshmallows. Oops All Mallows? (laughs) Oops All Mallows. (laughs) Uh, and he said that he sprinkles it on healthy food, and two problems here. One, I don't believe him. I know that he eats it right out of the bag. And two, healthy food is sort of healthy for a reason. Yeah. Like, you're choosing to eat mallow-less stuff, like right? Like veggie pizza? <laughs> like, what does he sprinkle it on? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's only veggie pizzas. Are they, They're not vegan, right? Because they have milk and bacon? Yeah, it's mostly milk and bacon. <laughs> Coagulated. It does solid form. CBR, Comic Book Resources, had an article, I guess you could call it. Yeah, I mean, they're where I get all my news. And I don't just mean uh, about <laughs> superheroes, just my, what's in the news today? It's CBR. So they reported on what one of their writers would do if they had to, <laughs> it was hard-hitting news, about if there was a Thunderbolt in the MCU. Mm. Now, we all know what the MCU, Mike, what the fuck is a Thunderbolt? A Thunderbolt is, uh, I think... Younger comic book lovers, which there's no such thing as that, uh, would know them as the Dark Avengers. But it is a villainous team pretending to be superheroes after Franklin Richards made a pocket universer and put uh, Iron Man a cap and Thor in that. So none of the normal heroes could save anybody more. So the Thunderbolts were there to save the day. And it was a conspiracy by Baron Zemo. Is that too much? (laughs) That was perfect. Uh, It was sort of the last great reveal in comic books mm-hmm. because comic books had to move to this thing where you have to buy issues if you're a comic book store uh months in advance and so they comic books had to reveal all of the things and we we found that out too thunderbolts had this thing where we thought we had this new superhero team and then at the end of the first issue or the first arc or whatever it was they took off this mat their masks and they were all very famous villains man that would so, be dope if it was after a year you think my f- new favorite team is the Thunderbolts? It's, they act a little funky every three panels. <laughs> <laughs> what, does that mean like they hear a bass riff yeah. and get down? Um, it's sort of like a Marvel Suicide Squad. Mm-hmm. They weren't forced to do it. They were doing it for their own reasons. Whether it was to maybe turn a corner ethically, maybe uh, find new ways to rob, but it was a a uh, good guy team full of bad guys, yes? Yes, and that's what's great. All their different motivations. Some were to fuck over superheroes, but some, like, it, like uh, Adrian Palicki in S.H.I.E.L.D., her character mm-hmm. uh, started out as a pure villain, and then the Thunderbolts, she went, wait, this is easier, and I feel good about myself. Right, and that's what's most important. Just feel good about yourself. 
It's like uh, you just got a new Peloton, right? We're not yet sponsored by Peloton, but and we never will be because none of us have the enthusiasm, the family ruining enthusiasm of this Peloton vlogger. So we read that CBR article, forgot about it, mm-hmm. and then uh, Baron Zemo called us on our Flintstone phone, uh, and he was like, uh, "Hey, do you guys want to form a new team out of the MCU? Because we might do a Thunderbolts movie." But Mike, they're not going to make two fucking Thunderbolts movies. This is not a deep impact Armageddon thing. Why not? So Baron Zemo has tasked us to draft what we think could make a good Thunderbolts team. Um, typically, when we draft shit like this, it's usually who would win in a fight. Mm-hmm. But I think for tonight, we should do most interesting movie. Right. Like, what's the, what's the best dynamic? Now, really, the only rule is that it sort of has to be B or C or D tier level villains. Uh-huh. And these are villains who have actually been in the MCU. Correct. Or are about to be. I have been cast. But I can't be like Modoc. Right. Uh, we're also going to ignore Death, or as I call him, Red Skull, because we go way back. Um, if our team gets picked, then we're going to ignore Death and say, like, oh, they came back to life. I love that. Mike. Yes. I'm going to flip a coin called in the air. Snails. It's snails. I don't know how you got snails. <laughs> I gave you my snail quarter years ago. Just in case this day would ever hit. You have got the first pick. Baron Zemo is the leader of both. Okay. So who are you going to take in addition to that? I'm so bad. I'm, I, the nerves hit me so much. There's some that I'm like, of course it's this, but I should wait on it. And you're always like, you dumb bastard. How did you? Uh, I, I'm going to do Bullseye. Dexter Poindexter himself. <laughs> in the most obvious, please pick a villain name because your real name is Dexter Poindexter. <laughs> Uh, but it would give a nod to the dark Netflix universe. That's great. I liked this guy's take on uh, Bullseye, and I want to see more of him. All right. That makes sense. Uh, I am going to go with, I want a little bit of, hey, you shouldn't be the leader. I'm the leader. Mm-hmm. So I'm going with Killmonger. Okay. Shit. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, Killmonger didn't die, and now I have Baron Zemo played by... Somebody, right? He was ca- he was in ca- like Winter Soldier. Daniel, somebody. <laughs> Daniel, Daniel Day, somebody. Um, and now he has to uh, have Michael B. Jordan be the field leader, but also I think he sort of wants my spot as leader, leader too. Yes. Taking, uh, I was uh, doing to you what we do to the comic book adventure hour is stealing that idea, uh, but making it dumber because I think Killmonger actually should be the leader of the team. Uh, I'm going to choose an idiot who thinks he should be the leader. And never Are we is. going snake draft here? No. Are we? <laughs> I get, you said no. <laughs> Wait, you just want two in a row right now? Uh-huh. Do it. I don't care. Fuck you. All right. Because I have Killmonger, I, d- I can't get another, like, uh, alpha. So I want to actually do good at this on these heists or the, these jobs or whatever. So I'm taking Ghost. Were you going to say Ghost? Uh, eventually I was going to say Ghost, but that was not what I was building up to. Uh, Ghost is a dire wolf, I believe. Yeah. Um, it's just a big dog, and uh, she likes pets. And cannot be, is always in pain, and then goes away for much of the show. Ant-Man and the Wasp was sort of like an origin movie for the villain. Uh-huh. And we would just watch her the whole time, sort of not know how to do anything. I'm hoping that in this Thunderbolts movie, she's good at stuff now. Yeah, it, it, but that is also fun, is when your most powerful player barely knows how to use their powers. 
I'm so sorry I interrupted your whole buildup to just go over the rules and fairness and how things have always worked. Mike, why don't you pick up where you left off? So, like, an alpha, but who's really bad at things, uh, and I think I would like to see more of him in the MCU, is a Quicksilver. Quicksilver so often is evil in the comics, and the movies threw that away right away, and no, my Quicksilver is evil and alive and thinks he should be in charge while being very bad at things. Now, a couple of things pop up that make me want to uh, file a complaint. Um, Like you said, never uh, bad. Uh, Always has been good in the MCU. I'll forego that one. The other one that I think really works, but I will forego too, is uh, heavy. He's a heavy. Um, The power. Or at least should be. (laughs) If this was DC, they would understand that he's the most powerful person on the planet and can destroy anything. But Marvel was like, he runs... Faster than like sort of the fastest guy. Yeah. He could outrun the guy with knife blades, knife legs. <laughs> yes, <laughs> in real life, <laughs> he that that guy ran, got famous because he ran really fast with knife legs, and then killed his wife, but with a knife that was not his legs. Oh, it's the oh, fucking power move, dude. Use what you got. All right, my turn. Yes. No, wait. <laughs> no. No, you son of a bitch. You're so stupid. Uh, I want... So, okay, if we're talking heavy, I want uh, the infamously most forgotten MCU villain, which makes me think maybe that's not really that forgotten if everybody talks about it. But if the Thunderbolts movie is also kind of doing a Dark Avengers thing, you got to have a Hulk, and my Hulk is Tim Roth from okay. Lie to Me. So this is a real... <laughs> that's the character you want. Um, not from the MCU, but I'm going to take it. Um, this is the one that I think is most uh, up in the air because heavy to me means can you fight the Hulk? Mm-hmm. And so these guys are all like sort of closer to street level. Like right. maybe a lot of these guys bought their powers. You mm-hmm. know, like they saved up 200 grand and then somebody gave them a suit. Um, Abomination is close. I don't. Are you going to DQ me? Because in- if we're DQ'd, I, I get another turn, right? In the Edward Norton movie, one of the two MCU movies I have not seen, did they fight to a standstill, or did Hulk destroy him? Standstill. Hulk destroyed him eventually, but I think it's he took two cars and smashed them together on his head. I love your whole creating Dark Avengers, but I think you have to go again. Okay. Well, from a movie you've never seen, uh, there's a guy I love so much in everything he's in, but I refuse to learn his name, so I call him Buster Scruggs. Uh, he is Mr. Mirror Man in current Watchmen. Uh, uh-huh. He is starts to become the leader in the Hulk, and we never <laughs> see it again. Isn't that a heavy? He's not very strong. All right, I'll take it. There's no way he's going to be on a team of... He's not a rogues gallery guy. No, fine, it's fine. I'll take it. It's your stupid turn. I'm going to take Abomination. Like <laughs> He's right there. <laughs> I'm going to say, no, there's nobody else to defend me here. All right. I am going to go with then, um, I think a guy who thinks that he should be a leader, but I think that he is going to realize that it's better if he's just a teammate. Um, I still like what he's going to bring drama-wise. I want Bushmaster. Shit. That's so good. From Luke Cage. I think his powers are just strong, like strong and mean, Um, but I think that he would be awesome here. He would be. That's the first one of yours that I'm legit mad about. And then I'm going to say that I'm going to take my final pick here, Mike. Okay. And I am going to go with, I've got, uh, what's Killmonger's powers? He's just dope. A strategist and dope. Okay. And then I've got Ghost and I've got Bushmaster. And I think I'm going to wrap it up with a guy who hopefully again 
since his first adventure, has learned how to do things better. I'm going with Michael Keaton. Who? Michael Keaton. Oh, okay. Vulture. From Multiplicity. <laughs> yeah. I, one? Uh, I think if I have Michael Keaton as the Vulture in here, I think that's going to be a weird but cool team. And yeah, you have a team of everybody who thinks they should be in charge. That's uh, not what I wanted, but it does make sense. <laughs> so now I get two? Mm-mm. I get gonna, one? This is going to be it. Okay. Then it's clear. Uh, so just so you know, my next one, it was three Captain America villains, because I am what I am. Uh, this one, not really Captain America going way back. Uh, one of the most underappreciated corners of the MCU. One of the most underappreciated villains of the MCU. I'm going with Dottie Underwood. If everybody thinks she's in charge, she actually is. It's Agent Carter's big bad from the Red Room. Gina Davis? Gina Davis. Wait, Dottie Underwood from A League of Their Own? <laughs> no. Maybe it's the same name. Oh, I remember. The, the bad guy from uh, Jane the Virgin. Black Widow. Yes. Okay. Dottie Underwood. Do one more real quick. We'll do five. Fact. Five. Ooh. Oh, uh, 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 absorbing man. <laughs> That's not bad. Because he's stupid and will never be leader. Okay, and then my final one, I think I'm going to go to round out my team. Uh, I, I want more drama uh, and more killing. I'm going with Electra. Oh, fun. All right, Mike. You have to be honest here. Tell yes. me the truth. Yeah. Who is Kevin Feige more excited about? Baron Zemo, Bullseye, Quicksilver, the leader, Dottie Underwood, and Absorbing Man. Mm-hmm. Baron Zemo... Killmonger, Kevin Feige, Ghost, Bushmaster, Vulture, and Elektra. Okay, I feel like you slipped something in there. I didn't realize you drafted the biggest villain of the MCU of all, Kevin Feige. He's probably most excited about what new hat he can wear in this movie. Ah, yours. You all got right. the Killmonger. That's awesome. Thank you so much for being honest. And we definitely know that if Taylor was here, he would come in third place. Yes. Yeah, he'd be like, uh, I don't know, thumb up my butt. <laughs> what a what a maroon. When we come back, The Walking Dead. On the mid-season finale of The Walking Dead, we learn Dante, who wasn't even supposed to be here today, has been a whisperer the whole time and is responsible for all kinds of shady shit to make the community paranoid. This leads to Rosita having to kill a recently zombied Sadiq to stop him from eating their kid and an enraged Gabriel later murdering Dante in his cell. Meanwhile, Oceanside encounters a man named Virgil, whom they initially suspect to be a whisperer. Virgil eventually offers to lead Michonne to his home on a naval base, which has weapons they can use against the whisperers. Mean, meanwhile, Carol Darrell and crew hunt Alpha's horde and end up in a trap in a cave. Taste buds, I ask you this. This far into The Walking Dead's disappointing run, was there anything that won you over in this episode? Cheers, Mike Gravano, writer, podcaster, freelancer. <laughs> Feels like an insult. Uh, the tub, the baby buffet. That I haven't been like on the edge of my seat because of The Walking Dead in so long. But they they're ten years in. They know they're losing ratings. Would they just show a baby get devoured in a tub? I didn't know, and I was worried. By his own father, and I was I didn't want to see a baby get eaten, <laughs> especially because this baby is now competing with much more famous, much cuter babies on TV yes. right now. Um. But I, I was like, I was imagining, I knew that we were going to focus on this episode, and if he eats the baby, what are we going to say <laughs> about 
masculinity in 2019 and the role of the father. I was sort of excited for our incredible think piece. And now you're like, I don't know. Mom but yeah, it, it was still it was still a lot of uh, sort of like dad. Dad got a smile in a way that I haven't seen a zombie before. Like he was a little bit excited to eat that baby. Well, he's even though there was kept up so many nights, they don't fuck as much as they used to. Like and you remember some of the things before you die. So since he's in that halfway state between human and zombie, he's thinking, you know, if I eat this baby, uh, it won't cry anymore. And I bet we fuck way more yeah. often. I bet she'll be way into me. Um, he has these other two much bigger meals, but they're sort of fighting with each other. I'll just go for the baby. It's the smartest zombie move we've ever seen. Just go for the innocent baby in a tub. Also, fucking like, I know the whispers are all dirt bags, but this does seem like the dirt baggiest thing is that Dante sets it up so this baby will get in. Like, he knows this is what's going to happen. Right. And has the shifty mannerisms that if the zombie's not going to do it, he's going to take Rosita's fucking zombie brass knuckles and punch that baby. Dante is to uh, our Walking Dead friends as what, like, uh, the George Bush time told us about terrorists. Mm-hmm. Like, they just hate how, like, your happiness and your freedom. And so Dante's not even, like, Dante's just doing things so that people are less happy right. and less free that they were. Even, and there's not even, like, the American-style drama where Matthew Reese, after 15 years, is like, I don't know. I like these jackets we got. We don't cut those jackets in Russia. Dante is not swayed by their jackets at all. Man, Matthew Reese on that show was a born and bred Russian soldier, and he wears one jacket for one second. And he's like, God oh, damn. Shit. God bless Yee-haw! the USA. <laughs> and then he became Bruce Springsteen. So few people know about that backstory. That's the, the later season they're making right now. We have two things that we have to do when we focus on a Walking Dead episode. The first thing is Waste time. Uh, set pieces mm-hmm. and were they effective? And two, can we sort of, like, say that the show, this episode, is saying something as a whole? Let's do the first one first. Did it work as, like, a thrilling opening? Yeah, that that is one of the best openings I can remember in years. Again, like, it's a cheat, but it's a, they, a good use of a cheat of a baby is in danger. We see that so rarely if we're not watching Mando and Friends. And, and we, like, there's one very famous zombie baby. Uh, and that's from the Dawn of the Dead remake, and they used Marlon Brando. So yeah, just so many oranges puffed in his little cheeks. Uh, they used it so differently, and, and Brando like, not for a joke, but for like a legit fear. Hold on, we're passing up something. <laughs> the Brandalorian, <laughs> and he's gonna make them all offers they can't refuse. <laughs> can't refuse orange slices. <laughs> Can you refuse them? <laughs> no, they're delicious and nutritious. <laughs> All right. Uh, was that the only major set piece? The, it, it is, the end did feel like a cheat, not in a good way, where we were hinted that there will be a set piece next week when Carol, Daryl, and all their barrel of friends fall into a cave where they've been searching for this horde of zombies, of like a thousand zombies, and like, where? how could you just disappear a horde of zombies? Cave trap doors, of course. And they fall into it, and they're stuck. The zombies can't get them yet. So it's like next week they're gonna have to like an Indiana Jones jump from rock to rock above. I think next week or next year there's gonna be a cool fucking set piece in that cave. First of all, please stop it, like just while you're organically talking, coming up with adorable little Walking Dead baby <laughs> spinoff cartoons. Second of all, Carol and Daryl and their barrel of friends. Are you you wouldn't watch that? I would watch this uh, zombie babies. Second of all, uh, yeah, it's not next week. 
this is this is their like uh, mm-hmm. three month gap right now, and that does sort of change how you end the show. I would love to see just like two people kiss and fall in love, and that's the hang- like that's the cliffhanger. Oh, shit, <laughs> just to see what that would be like. But no, they went into this cave full of zombies, and there's it feels like that. I'm not scared. I'm not nervous. I don't think anything bad's gonna happen right. to anyone. But it took more of a adventure movie genre thing mm-hmm. instead of a uh, horror movie genre thing. Yeah, I would say that there's a lot of little set pieces either that Walking Dead always does or, or nods to other items like that. They did really well in this one episode. The the music store hit where you run, fought the first meeting of the new guy so the guy from Taking Woodstock can later defend him and say he's not a whisperer, he saved me, he didn't need to do that. Uh, Gabriel's emotional set piece with Dante. There's been so many emotional Walking Dead monologues from Rick normally that didn't do shit for me. Gabriel, I always thought was a weak character, but that watching him in his creepy one eye and creepy preacher's hat, uh, go against everything he believes in to say, everybody deserves a second chance. Stab, stab Dante. Like that got me in a way. I did not know this show could. All right, let's get to it. Dante. Part of Dante's cockiness of just doing whatever he wants is because he knows that even if he gets caught, they're not going to do anything. They're so uh, by the book. They're so like Miranda writes, mm-hmm. and he Dante knows about Negan that uh, they're probably going to put him in a cell, let him say his piece, and then people are going to be like, "Yeah, let him out. He's fine, right?" Look so at his beard is so sexy now. There's almost no stakes for Dante. Gabriel, mm-hmm. who yes, uh, Gabriel the priest. Uh, what's his name from the Wire? Not Herc. Uh, he at this point uh, doesn't have. He has a gray eye. Herc and Turk. <laughs> yes. Um. <laughs> That's what I do every Thanksgiving. I'm just hurricane Turk. Uh, he has a, one eye is colorless, and so he's like, "Well, just double down, right? Put the creepy hat on if I've got the creepy <laughs> yeah. eye. Why not just be that weird guy from Poltergeist?" Um, goes in, and I'm not ever looking for The Walking Dead to like make me feel emotions, mm-hmm. but I, I am sort of looking for it to surprise me. And I gotta right. say, uh, Gabriel going in there. And me thinking he's just going to back up whatever Dante is saying, like, yeah, you know what? This is what the law says. This is what God says. You're going to get your time in court. Instead, just like, fuck that, dude. I only have one eye. And then stabs the shit out of him. And and a true surprise, because he ends that monologue saying, do we deserve a second chance? I don't know. Sometimes we get one anyway. And the audience is like, uh. And Dante's like, I knew it. And But he means his second chance to embrace his anger. Yeah. <laughs> that was badass. A second chance for people in the community to think, hey, Gabriel, you're not a total fucking waste of space and time because you finally killed someone. It's weird that he said that with every staff. Just... We also uh, we go to a library. Um, Michonne, this supercharged power warrior, lets uh, Rick's daughter and... An eight-year-old. Guy, guy from who? Uh, taking Woodstock. Taking Woodstock, okay. I, I think he was also... like He was uh, at some point going to be like... Um, the new Will Ferrell. Like, he was in, like, a ping-pong comedy. He, he was a Josh Gad, Jonah Hill type. Yeah. He also reminds me of uh, Christina Hendricks's ex-husband. Remember that? Yeah, like, he has that face. Yeah. Um, he and the little girl say, like, I don't know, library, right? Everything's dangerous, and we're in a time crunch, but couldn't we stop by a library? And Michonne's like, no, I'm a warrior. All right, let's totally go to the library. Um, I love books. Taking Woodstock gets uh, caught by zombies because no matter where you go, there's always a, some zombie was reading Enchanted April and then throws that book down on the ground and goes after uh, Taking Woodstock. And then a guy runs in and saves him. Guy just runs in and says, hey, I'm on The Walking Dead now. Um, <laughs> this is a guy I really like because he played John from The Leftovers. 
Okay. But much more importantly, he was the sinner man on Lucifer. I knew I recognized him. Um, and so deus ex machina, I guess, but then they have to deal with this new person. Yeah, because then he shows up again in Oceanside trying to steal a boat. And he's like, I wasn't trying to do anything. Well, you were trying to steal a boat. Like, I, I, it's such forced drama when somebody's like, just tell me these answers and you won't. You're like, this will end your problem. And the next 20 minutes we have to sit through if you're just right. like, this is what I'm trying to do here. If The Walking Dead was like uh, typically, like there was like a narrator that came on and typically we would stretch this out for 20 minutes, but we're just going to have this character say the truth and then we're going to show you a cartoon cow dancing. I'll be like, yes, t- I'll watch that for 20 minutes. What did work better than most Walking Dead things is they're even more on edge right now because Dante lived with them for months. So right now they're like, protect, assume no strangers telling the truth. That worked better. And I cannot wait to see little Judith fucking pilot a submarine to kill the whisperers <laughs> uh is judith uh, do we even use the term mary suing anymore i think we do I'm, I'm sure there's something problematic with it but i mean she hamstrung this guy while he was, tra- he was trying to run and she just put out her little sword not run against anybody run away from zombies and she went we're not done with you yet <laughs> and fucking that was awesome but yeah she's way too competent for 10 years of watching incompetent adults yeah she hides behind a thing catches uh john from the leftovers as he's running away uh he hits the ground and then he like the the way that he separates himself from dante and i know it's hard because we just got burned by dante but he does the whole jean valjean thing like i'm not trying to take over your entire shit i just <laughs> needed to steal this loaf of boat, boat. to get back to my family <laughs> give me that boat loaf <laughs> Uh, and they they went. It only really wins him over when he's like, "There's weapons I don't know how to use, but you can just take all of them." Right. Which cool. I will take that. Like we'll we'll take you back to your house. Also, Michonne's out, or the actress is out. Right. So at any point, we could be looking at the plot point that gets her gone. She just also flies away in a helicopter, and nobody ever talks about her again. <laughs> but not in a hel- like she's got one of those propeller hats and yeah. spins it so hard <laughs> that she flies away. Um, we have a lot of talk as we normally do, about how uh, humans are bad to the core. I would say bad to the bone. Da-da-da-da-da. Um, is, is, is there any fucking meat left on this bone? There's certainly not. Zombies nodded off years ago. And it didn't... Rosita... Rosita is the one who straight out says it. She says, maybe Dante's right. Maybe we're not good. But she's saying that after he betrayed them and she saved her baby... It did not make sense for her to be the character to say. I guess like she was upset her husband is dead. It like it felt like the flattest. Like they're like, oh wait, we have actually like we don't realize that The Walking Dead is sponsored by big humans are all bad. <laughs> and so they have to say it every few episodes to get that money. The one thing that I sort of noticed because the the big important thing that we have not talked about is Daryl is trying his hardest to not let Carol go over the falls in a barrel of craziness right (laughs) and because carol's just all about that alpha like she wants to kill her and she will Mm -hmm. at this point she's not just going to jeopardize her own life she will jeopardize the entire community Mm -hmm. to kill samantha morton who was probably doing a good job as the big bad but i haven't really seen it yet um and daryl is worried about carol daryl is worried about his community but daryl's also (laughs) it's so hard stupid names (laughs) Daryl is. They knew they had a a character named Carol. They created Daryl. They could have named him Brad, like fucking anything. Daryl is nervous that Carol's in peril. But uh, the other thing, too, is that he's sort of kind of hurt 
that like I thought we were close. And I think what they're really saying is not that humans are animals to their core, or actually are they the Walking Dead? But it it if you if you think that you know what humans are going to do, you're wrong. And that's what ties the Dante thing to the Carol thing is that like we all search for this like comfort level of predictability and that's never right. going to be the fucking case. Do you think so thematically, do you think this is a stronger episode than many, many ones we've watched in the past? I watched it four times in order to get to that. So I don't know. <laughs> Wait, doesn't that means it's super good and deep. It's super good and deep. <laughs> that's, that's what you want to say about things that are super good and deep, right? I don't know. Uh, did it uh, did it do its job, or you at least considered watching the the, the next episode? No, like, and the, so maybe it's just been on for too fucking long and burned me too many times. There, there's. I was going before I watched it. I was like, how good could it be to hook me back in? I don't think it exists. That limit does not exist. Like, there's no one hour of perfection. It could be as good as last week's uh, Watchmen, which we'll talk about later. And I'd be like. That was a cool episode of TV. Never going to know if it keeps doing that. Honestly, dude, I've been podcasting with you for like a decade at this point. That is the strongest opinion you have ever had. <laughs> if it wasn't as good as this week's Watchmen, you would not continue to watch it. If uh, Weird Al and Donald Glover and Amy Poehler all showed up as new characters next week. I'm in. <laughs> so that would You're be trashing them in. Uh, yeah, uh, like... They they just don't have what it takes to like keep us interested anymore. That that whole ending, although sort of an interesting idea, I half expected to hear from like behind the cave that they're in, like, don't look at the eye, don't look at the eye, and then have like a rusty Jeep come in with more people. And Aaron just turns to stone. <laughs> I do like that they gave him Rick's no hand from the comics. Uh-huh. And I hate that my brain does that, like, oh that's cool. No, it's not. Shut up. Move on, show. I, uh, what I don't like is how, uh, what's her name, Grace? No. What's the daughter's name? Kelly. Judith? Judith is like, uh, give me a hard one when they're working on state capitals. They're all hard. Uh-huh. No one knows any of them, okay? They're everybody all equally knows, impossible. Everybody knows the state they're from and Sacramento, and that's it. Everyone knows that the capital of Texas is Alexis, and that is it. <laughs> all right, Mike, uh, I don't know. Like, That was pretty good, right, for an episode of The Walking Dead? I mean, not yeah. not the episode, our segment. Yes, it was pretty good. I thought we did a B plus tops. All right, moment of the week of what things that we said. Uh, you said K- Daryl's running after Carol because she's in peril. <laughs> that probably takes it from me. That's so weird because my moment of the week of things that we said was when you said uh, Carol and Daryl and their barrel of friends. I mean, that that's so many things. <laughs> and it's not just that you use barrel because it rhymes with Carol and Daryl. You <laughs> considered for a while. That they're the type of people who would keep their friends in a barrel. And it all fits. I mean, they're hard people. <laughs> They've lived hard lives. All right, let's get out of this. When we come back, the rest of the shows. Now we're here on the poll list where we talk about every single other show that came out this week. First up, like every week, is Watchmen. No, fuck it. I'm going to do two other shows really quick so we have extra time for Watchmen. Uh, Raising Dion on the penultimate episode of Raising Dion. Nicole does whatever it takes to save her son from the bad guys. Mike, I ask you this. Netflix usually announces next season's pickup within the first month of the current season. It's been two months since Raising Dion debuted. Do we think it's going to get picked up for season two? Oh, probably not then. Yeah, probably not. Uh, 
Daybreak. On the sixth episode of Daybreak, Turbo and Mona Lisa search for the traitor in their tribe. Meanwhile, Josh and KJ venture into the woods. Mike, I ask you this. Did you notice it didn't say Josh and Sam venture into the woods? What? This, this officially makes it a season-long journey for them to maybe get together, yes? It, it's putting a lot of fucking pressure on this Sam character, who I already hate when she finally shows up. <laughs> I'm going to do one more. On the penultimate episode of the second season of Titans... Hank breaks up with Dawn and then goes cage fighting, similar to what Ryan Atwood does after Marissa dies. Meanwhile, Dick escapes prison to find Jericho and sets up the big season finale fight against Deathstroke. Mike, I ask you this. Next week, we're focusing on the Titans finale. How many Deathstroke showdowns will this make for you? 17 and a half. It feels (laughs) like I've been fighting Deathstroke my entire goddamn life. I'm so sorry. Not in your real life. Watching on TV. Oh, four. Thor? Four. (laughs) Uh, so you were a big fan of Arrow versus Deathstroke, which I yeah. still have not seen. Uh, you're a big fan of uh, Teen Titans Go to the Movies, mm-hmm. which is Deathstroke. Um, I guess we'll see next week if the Titans do it. Yep, we'll see I'm not if the s- Titans do it. I'm not sad about it. I'm sort of excited to watch Titans again. Yeah, it's been a minute. Uh, Raising Dion is on Netflix all the time. <laughs> Daybreak is on Netflix all the time. Titans is on the DC streaming thing on Fridays. We're going to cover that next week. Next up, Mike... We bought ourselves a couple more minutes, is Watchmen. Been going through a lot of Billy on the street, and now it's like if he had a pop culture podcast, I like it. Mike, I bought ourselves a couple more minutes for Watchmen. <laughs> this is how you choose to spend it. week on the greatest episode of television created. After overdosing on Will's nostalgia, Angela slips into a memory coma and learns her grandfather was actually hooded justice and became the vigilante after KKK cops threatened him with a light hanging. Taste buds, I ask you this. What can every other show we cover learn about the use of flashbacks from this single episode? I mean, if we think about it, if we remove ourselves from Watchmen Love, and sometimes shows do this where they will do things that we know we would think stupid on other shows, on your flashes. Taking a bunch of nostalgia pills (laughs) to have a flashback episode should be among the dumbest things we've ever seen. It's like they challenge themselves. Can we make the best episode of television of 2019 while doing the stupidest fucking plot from everything else? But I think what mostly they could learn, and this is a big lesson that we talk about all the time, is uh, tell your story, have something to say, don't run through a checklist of what other shows do. And so we've done a lot of that, uh, of watching shows that have seen The Wire or whatever. Um, But this used nostalgia... Not as a plot device, not as a, hey, look, we're making TV, but to really fucking take us through the ringer, back in time, down the toilet, up the butt. Like, this was, this was a lot of TV. To dig in, yeah, to the history of Will, of Angela's, whatever the opposite of legacy is, heritage, uh, of Tulsa yet again, uh, all of it, uh, of warping what we think we know about superheroes, because opening with the Ryan Murphy American Hero story. Uh, it looks like a guy who is Ozymandias, but it's actually Will. All of it, just like every every episode, and it feels like every scene, they're always like, is it still talking about the main thing we're talking about, which is you don't know your country's history. Right. You don't know your country's history, and therefore, since you don't, you don't want to be declared stupid, so you just disregard your country's history. Mm-hmm. And Damon Lindelof said, I'm going to, I'm going to flip that notion off. Uh, I'm going to use Alan Moore's Watchmen to do it, and I'm going to mostly make it about black people, which Damon Lindelof, goddamn. Like, it seems like in between projects, he's like, all right, this time I'm going to be officially kicked out of Hollywood. 
Well, it feels like the uh, the Game of Thrones guys, D&D, they were like, we're going to make a show about the Civil War. And everyone was like, fuck you. Fuck you forever. Lindelof very like wisely hid what I do think, without having seen it, people would have been upset. Yes. But, but I mean, the D&D guys have proved that they are... Stupid. Bad. Like I think yeah. not just are like are bad at making TV, but have low IQs. Um, Damon Lindelof, uh, and it, it is important to note that uh, Damon Lindelof, uh, Cole Jefferson, did get a black co-writer for this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, who we don't know. Like it doesn't say at the bottom of the screen who wrote what, but right. I do like the idea of this tiny old white bald guy uh, to say maybe I can't handle it all on my own. I'm gonna take a week off. <laughs> I trust you. I don't want my thumbprint anywhere on this. And now we're we're demanding the Lindelof cut. We want the cut that is just his writing and not the black guy. And uh, then I want the Lindelof cut of that Peloton ad. We uh the season started with Tulsa, uh, a very important time in America's history that no one knew about. And now we are uh what, 30 years later. Mm-hmm. Um, that kid that survived that is now uh, a policeman. Did you know that the he would not get his badge? He graduated from police school, uh, and the white guy putting the badge on all the white officers would not put the badge on Will Reeves. So uh, uh, he had a black officer behind him to put the badge on. Did you know, Mike? No. Oh, I thought you were about to say. Uh, that is the first black officer in New York City history, the first black cop. Who put the the other one on him? Yes. Uh, oh. They didn't go get an actor. They got the first black cop. And that's cool, but it's... Wait, holy shit, really? For reals. That's uh, insane. The first black cop in New York City history is still alive. That's how fresh which and new means, all the shit is. Which means, yeah, so this is revisionist history because this is saying New York had a cop decades before real New York had a cop. Right. That's insane. And uh, Fuck, this show's good. The episode cruises through flashbacks in a way, which is like, it, it's always a narrative crutch to go through flashbacks and dream sequences, which this episode combines. But also, it, at no point is it boring. At no point do we feel separated from our current storyline that we care about. But also, in the flashbacks are flashbacks in that uh-huh. when Will Reeves, at, like as a 30-year-old cop, watches a uh, car full of cops drive away, he also sees, in a different sort of filming... Uh, mm-hmm. to Tulsa victims, or, like, from the Tulsa riots being dragged behind. That that was fucking masterful. It's so rare that, like, we get good filmmaking in our shows. Right. And to double down on that and be like, wait, people are pretty lazy with dreams and flashbacks. Here is you do that. Because with that, that was using actual violence we've seen this character see to show the implied violence of what was about to come. Because he didn't know why he was unsettled. It was just three fellow cops saying let's go grab a beer but there's something in their tone that was so that was show, like they used all of that to show the emotion of what this character was feeling it was fucking oh it was so good on top of all of that uh we have like we understand that history is important to an extent but it's in the past we can't really fathom that like it, it was all old people that are dead and like how much do you want us to care we have to mm-hmm. care what we really care about which is superheroes that's all we care about and that's what we want <laughs> And so right. then in the meantime, what this episode did is uh, Hooded Justice, the guy that you're watching on TV right now, the guy that started superheroes, the Superman of real life, if real life is Damon Lindelof's Watchmen, <laughs> uh, who was played on Ryan Murphy's American superhero show by uh, that guy that Tina Fey went out and got for 30 Rock. Do you remember him? <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Vaguely. Vaguely. Okay. Uh, he was Canadian. Um, what actually happened was a black guy put white makeup on, mm-hmm. and that is how superhero started. So, at like, there is no part of whatever you think of as history or pop culture or whatever your life is in America that doesn't have a strong black influence in it. Yeah, I lo- like, and that like, that's a nod to so much of just real pop culture and, and music, and from black music to Elvis, all of it. Uh, and also is a nod to like Batman always doing the black eye makeup around where Will's wife is like, uh, if you're going to do this, th- there's only one way you're going to be able to be a superhero. You, you got to be with like, it was also deftly done. Did, did the Angela and then at a certain point, Gene Smart, did those take you out of the story this one episode was telling you? Angela never. I love the interaction between Angela and her grandfather and how they would switch back and forth in the flashbacks. And the sort of, the big reveal is that Hooded Justice was black. But mm-hmm. then we get like mini reveals throughout the whole thing. And where Hooded Justice put white makeup on, uh, Sister Knight mm-hmm. put even darker black makeup on in the right. exact same way. All of that little stuff was done amazing and set up so, so organically. Like I was never like four episodes ago like, oh, I bet that pays off later. It was done so right. – I don't even remember Gene Smart in this. Oh, trying to get uh, Angela it, out of the coma. Yeah, she's. I just remember because she's like, uh, your eyes are open, but you're in a coma. It's kind of fucking freaky, Angela. It was very funny, but I was like, and, and I love every minute of Gene Smart. I want more. But I was like, I don't know if we need reminders of that right now. Like, I wanted to be fully immersed. The, the You said this worked better than a lot of other dream sequences because I do think it's dream sequence plus flashbacks where most shows would fucking fumble. Most shows, dream sequence, the characters trying to learn about themselves and that's stupid, and they never pull it off right, and the audience already always knows this stuff, For a dream sequence for her to be learning about her entire family history made it so much more powerful than if she was just like, why is Angela like Angela? <laughs> why is Mona like Mona? <laughs> Who is the boss? We'll never know. Uh, the other thing, too, is that when uh, Jean Smart talked to Angela, who was dressed as Hooded Justice and her grandfather all at the same time, and saying, you need to wake up, she wanted to. They brought her husband in, and she wanted to wake up, but she mm-hmm. couldn't because if she woke up, she would be less woke. And I don't mean PC. I mean, all she was doing was she thought that she understood the importance of history, and while mm-hmm. on the pills, she was actually learning. Right. <sighs> Just injected into it. Did the, the second, so another familiar face, if you're a Greek fan, Captain Metropolis, who was inspired by Hooded Justice and then created the Minutemen, and is Will's gay lover. Uh, he was the head of the frat in Greek. Good. It's nice to see him again. Still the head of a frat. Uh, still the head of a frat, but it played with, like, we're heroes and we look up to you because you're a hero, but they are corporate fucking shill heroes, and they're like, well, we're not going to go after the KKK. That is actually dangerous. Right. We don't do that. They uh, they want to be sponsored by banks and shit, but also they mm-hmm. want to knock down easy villains where uh, everyone, because, you know, there's good people on both sides, Mike. Everyone agrees they're villains. If they go after the KKK, right. not only is it dangerous, but they lose half of their audience. Right. And that's all it is. It's, would you watch it again right Holy now? Holy shit, yes. I don't, I don't have, I think we've covered all the big things. I don't have anything else other than just screaming at things. The only thing I want to bring up real quick, and then we'll get to moment of the week, is, yeah, before we go full Chris Farley on it, is Alan Moore... An interview has popped up recently uh, of him because I I don't like quoting Alan Moore. He's just like a negative old asshole at this point. 
But <laughs> yeah, at this point, he used to be so positive and peppy. <laughs> he used to be like into surfing and hack a sack. But uh, he had an interview where he was like, "I don't like this whole superhero. Uh, I don't know. Like we, everyone loves them so much, but really, it's just a continuation of the KKK. It's masks and capes and white boys' dreams." And I feel like Lindelof, instead of saying "fuck you, Alan Moore," I hate Watchmen now. He was like. I'm an, I'm just going to do a continuation of that. I'm not going to uh you know, I'm not going to stop loving Watchmen because you're an asshole now. I'm going to I'm going to take what I can from you and use it. And I cannot like dude, this is like knowing, this is based on Watchmen. Like knowing more would never watch a show but making a show more might Yes, like. exactly. That's pretty cool. It's pretty ball. He took the more you know and made it this. Mike, do you <laughs> Is it even possible to pick a moment of the week? I it's it uh, mine. It, I have two. One, him going through their movie warehouse is hard not to love. It's just like finally, yes, he's getting all the KKK cops uh, in a fucking super brutal way. Wait, um, hold on. I'm so, I'm so sorry. Like, hold on, real quick. Um, so Hooded Justice calls Captain Metropolis, who he thinks is like best friend, superhero partner, and lover. And then Captain mm-hmm. Metropolis, like we said, says, you know what? That's not going to happen. So. Then Hooded Justice goes from like beloved superhero to full on Punisher vigilante and kills yeah. every white cop motherfucker he sees because he finds out that they are uh, what's called mesmerizing, uh, essentially mm-hmm. hypnotizing black audiences into starting riots. Right. Yes. Uh, so that like for the very much like our kind of show, I love it and it feels emotionally good to watch it happen. And then the the part you called out before the. The white cops saying, hey, come grab a beer with us. And then they drive away and it's the scene from Tulsa that I haven't seen. I can't remember like a movie this year did it something that visually that made me like, oh, shit. I think that's a really good thing to bring up is that we talk about how much we try to love Black Lightning or Riverdale or whatever and like say that they're legit. Uh, but in case you haven't started watching Watchmen yet, um, my moment of the week is at one point those cops – they take Will Reeves to a tree, and then it cuts to Will Reeves' POV. And then they put a hood on him, and we are seen through that hood as the hood slowly goes up, and he's about to get lynched. And it is I, – like, I have no idea if it's problematic. I don't know if they should have done what they did. But like, it was mm-hmm. as hard for me to br- – no, I, I, I probably can't say that. But it was difficult for me to breathe watching it. It was literally breathtaking filmmaking. Yeah, it was visceral. A lot of people this Thanksgiving yelled about politics and stuff with their family. I just yelled at my family for not having watched a minute of the show yet. Well, you have a whole family of Don Johnsons, right? So, and not mm-hmm. from Watchmen. Also, good year. Have we talked about it? Good year for Don He's Johnson. He's really killing it right now. I love him. He knows how to play Don Johnson real well. Watchmen is on HBO on Sundays, and this is our most late episode of Superhero ever, which means that there's another episode of Watchmen just sitting there that we uh-huh. haven't watched. Uh Let's end the show and get to it, Mike. Uh, next up on the list is Black Lightning. On this week's episode of Black Lightning, Anissa and Jefferson escort meta refugees out of the perimeter. Meanwhile, Gamby implores Lynn to help him access to the pit. Mike, I ask you this rank these pits. Brad, Mosh, Arm, Fall, The. Mosh, Arm, The, Fall, Black. <laughs> black? Did you start from the bottom to the top or the top to the bottom? I, middle out. <laughs> Don't do that. All right, go from number. N- oh wait, top, top. My number one. I, I didn't understand the question. Yes, number one. I went from top number one is what? Mosh, Mosh pit, then Brad, Brad pit, then 
The uh, Pit. Remember that comic? Like the big brown Hulk guy from Image yes. Comics? Uh, so you have uh, Fall and Arm. Oh, Fall and Good. Arm. Good. What's Fall Pit? Pitfall. It's a video game, Mike. <laughs> and you don't, you, you don't know nothing about the pit. Can you please, as I believe Oprah said, get in the pit and try to love someone? Uh, Black Lightning <laughs> is on Tuesdays on the CW. Next up is the end of the fucking world. It's bad advice because every time I tried to do that, I got really, really hurt and said, "Pit." This I just love you. The fucking world. <laughs> a flat tire forces the unlikely trio of travelers to seek refuge at a roadside inn run by a man who's desperate for company. Tasty Ryan, I ask you this: What's the most desperate thing a person can do or say that would make you run away as fast as you can? I, I like you. <laughs> it's not. I'm so lonely, <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> so we. First season was all about, or a lot about, this college professor who is the definition of white, sleazy male, right? Mm-hmm. This time we get a different one. Is he, do, they go to this hotel and this guy is just leaving it all out on the table before he pulls it all out of his pants. Do you feel for him more that he's so pathetic and looks no, like me? but I, I think the show is wisely doing is casting their villains to look like you. <laughs> Uh, Jake Busey. <laughs> season one is Taylor with a mustache. <laughs> season two is you. Uh, it's the, he is the nice guy because obviously the professor's a bad guy. That's villain mm-hmm. as shit. But this guy, he's sad. Shouldn't we feel bad for him? Shouldn't she have like maybe done like no? I, I think so. If the whole show is saying people who are warped are bet like a, like I think James might be the only good man mm-hmm. in this show because it's saying any dude who isn't fucked up in the head is actually the monster. Yeah, and I mean, James is a sociopath, if not psychopath. Is he full on yeah. psychopath? I don't, I don't know the difference. So sure, he he wa- he wanted he met the love of his life because he was trying to murder her. So maybe he's not a great paragon of virtue. But not, but I mean, the whole thing is though is that if you are one of those paths, then uh, it's very hard for you to have empathy. And mm-hmm. what we're seeing is the people who have the least amount of thought towards other people, awareness of how other people might feel, are the normal people. And those, like, it, we're watching these people weaponize empathy. And watching the people, our three, who don't really have empathy, get, like, are looked at down upon, but are actually better because they're pure enough to never try to weaponize human And I think that this was the show's, the show's like a, a road movie, you know, like, we have to keep moving. We're not mm-hmm. in one city, but this is the show's uh, way of doing a, like, internet troll it's not that he is on the computer, right. but he is alone in a basement with no human contact for so long. Do we do we uh, cut him slack because he acts this way? No, because like you could almost cut him slack until he. I thought he just poured like vodka into mm-hmm. Bonnie's wine, but she the way she like fumbles like it's like liquid. Yeah, he goes from so no no slack. Cut. He goes from hey guys, it would be cool to hang out with you to trying to roofie her to Louis C.K.ing her. And that, that, like, I guess that made me roll my eyes because, like, I already found him cringe-inducing. And it could be, in, like, does the show, do they only have to kill everybody they run into? Do you think they got in their way by saying he had to drug her and not just be pathetic without I think drugging? so. I mean, we're not talking about the big thing, which is uh, Bonnie wants to look tough, pulls out the gun, probably doesn't mean to kill him, but the gun slides off a uh, nightstand and then does kill him. And this is probably what is going to tie the three together and have them fight yes. crime. Some sort of like bad guy, a very rich bad guy who hates the earth and is going to pollute a bunch. But I do think that if you are watching these all in a row like you're supposed to, 
it's probably less noticeable that this episode felt rushed to get to that point. Yeah. Because I could I could have watched a three-hour long of the three and then four of them, like dinner with Creep Guy at the Lodge, everybody just being awkward and wanting different things and not knowing how to say, like, none of these people could hold a normal conversation and watch them all try to pretend to. Was yeah, it's amazing. Just uh, We'll take Alyssa, for instance. Alyssa is Alyssa, and then Alyssa has a different thing for James and then also acts in a different way to Bonnie. And then with this fourth person, this uh, creepy idiot, uh, is like, fuck you, get out of here. That full-on Alyssa. My dinner with Alyssa, I could have definitely done for two hours. <laughs> but I feel like that this is uh, one of those reset so we can move on with the rest of the season episodes. Right. Well, like, I don't know how to do a 30-minute of them bonding, so we're going to rush. Right. Uh, moment of the week? I've, like, just back and forth with the hotel clerk spans the whole show. So uh, James's confession into crying that, like, she's like, I think I want to kiss you. And he immediately is like, I can't have sex. I got shot near there. And then starts crying. Like all of it was so sad and funny and heartwarming. All of that is what that show. Yeah. And Alyssa's reaction is like, uh, fuck you for thinking that's all I care about. And also you're endearing because of the way that you're treating it. And also that's a bummer because I do actually like sex. I hate that you thought that I would be pissed about that, but I'm a little pissed about that. And she's doing all those things. Yours? My moment of the week, if I had to pick, and I do right now because you're asking me, is I would say Alyssa at some point just saying, I have to get out of this dress. I like, I really <laughs> feel when TV characters or movie characters are in clothes for too long, and at a certain point, I don't care what's going on, my only priority would be, please let me shower and change. Right. That's just the actor saying it at that point. And the fucking world is on Netflix. We'll do another episode next week. Finally, is The Flash. On this week's episode of The Flash, Barry stands around contemplating his impending death and crisis, even though we all already know that Ollie will die and Barry will be fine. Mike, I ask you this, and this is not finally. We'll do Arrow after this. I uh, Mike, ask. I ask you this. Will we do Arrow next? Yes, we, yes, we will. Right? Mike, next I'll also now. ask you this. If you could tell Barry that he'll be fine and Ollie's actually going to die, would you tell him or would you just let him stand there and suffer? I would whisper weird things around him while letting him suffer. Like, baloney. I'd be like, well, yeah, you know, the best hero on this earth is going to die. You know, Iris likes you, but I bet Laurel Lance does, too. The Flash is on uh, two Mondays on the CW. Finally, Mike. It's on two it's Mondays Arrow. a week. This week on Arrow, Ollie and Laurel are stuck in a Groundhog Day where everyone is trying to kill Quentin who is now alive, and the mayor. The monitor is trying to teach them a lesson. Reinman, I ask you this. Do the lessons Ollie and Laurel respectively learn change how you see the rest of the season? No, because the way that I saw the season was like a 10-hour-long reunion show, and none of this changed it. I didn't hate this. Like, I knew what I was in for, and this is it. I didn't hate it, but like, no, it doesn't change my opinion about what's going to happen. They had to think of a way for uh, Quentin to come back, and they did. Right. I love, yeah, you gotta love Paul Blackthorne doing what he thinks in a normal American accent is. Oh, hello, <laughs> like Ollie. I see that you're back now. Uh, I also like, like, enough shows, including, I think, Arrow, have done Groundhog Days where they call out Groundhog Day, but it's now when somebody walks into a room and they're confused and you're like, there's a weird laugh. There's a weird person we've never met. Tell John. I'm like, in the first scene, I'm like, oh, they're Groundhog <laughs> Dang. Like, there's too many weird things sticking out that's like, 
glaring. It would have been out. awesome if Ollie walked through. And Ollie was definitely this is the first time I've ever seen an Ollie-like character in a Groundhog Day situation. But if Ollie walked through and he was like, "Oh, there's that laugh. There's that sound. He's gonna drop that glass." Mike is in the audience screaming, "It's Groundhog Day!" This is all obvious to me. I I do like that Ollie is like, "It's a day and a half later. I'm confused. Nothing's happening. Something's wrong. I'm on board." Like, he, there's no like, "What do you mean? What's happening?" Like, he figures out right away, and then he tells, uh, with Dig is like Lance has always been alive and Ollie isn't he's like no he hasn't we're Groundhog Daying and Dig's like oh fuck we're Groundhog like everybody at this point have yeah. been through enough shit that there's no like half the episode isn't what's going on they're all just cleanly explaining to Lance each other Lance does that too is. and I'm not gonna call him Lance his name is Paul Blackthorn and that's what he deserves to be called <laughs> um, Ollie tells Paul Blackthorn and he's like oh cool let's do this and Ollie's like what? it's like dude I'm on fucking Arrow I understand and I've been wanting that for so <laughs> have you seen many Arrow? We have talked about that on 300 consecutive podcasts. Guys, just know the world that you live in. He's just like, good sir, Ollie. Uh, You cheated on one of my daughters with another daughter, so in that she would and you would both be dead for years. You would come, like, he just explains everything. He's like, do you see why I'm just like, oh, I If you came up to me, Mike, and you were like, hey, I accidentally pooped, and instead of flushing, I uh, accidentally put my bare foot in the toilet, I wouldn't be like, what? I'd be like, yeah, I know. (laughs) I met you. I know this is our world. Uh, did you know that this episode was directed? I by did not Diggle? know that. That's fun. I think they're all just getting a run. Do at you it uh, do you not know the actor's name, or do you think he he method no, act directed character? I think the actor would direct so differently than John Diggle, and he stayed in character. And this is a Diggle can you imagine style every direction. time Stephen Amell as an actor made a different decision, they had to go off to the side and have a twenty minute conversation about who knows more. <laughs> <laughs> you're my best friend. No, you're my best uh, friend. Real quick, I want to talk about the guy who uh, makes a joke. It's not that many times, right? It's like four times, three times. It's like three or four. Uh, makes a stupid party, I barely know you, haha, not funny joke. And on the third or fourth time, Ollie just walks away. Big middle finger up. Uh, and I could not tell who I am typically. Am I, do I typically <laughs> react to people like that, like Ollie, or am I always that guy in the corner being like, come back, laugh at my joke? Yeah, just screaming at him. I think, I mean, you're both of them. You're the worst Thanks, of all bud. worlds. <laughs> if somebody's trying to be friendly to you, you walk Christ. away angrily. But if somebody doesn't laugh at your bad joke, my life is crisis on infinite worst of all worlds. <laughs> oh, God damn it. Do you uh, moment my moment of the week, week has to be uh, I, this was a Bad episode of Arrow if this is your first, but because I love Arrow and I give it every goddamn benefit of every goddamn doubt, I'm going to go with something different. I think that they did something on purpose. They took Groundhog Day a step farther, and the show, like every day becomes a VHS copy of a VHS copy, and at a certain point, this became Arrow divided by Arrow divided by Arrow, and it it was the cheesiest episode I've seen in so long. And there were lines like, uh, stay with me, stay with me. And uh, I don't have time for these games. Like, that's that's too much Arrow. And I think they did it because uh, of the yeah. carbon copying. Well, yeah, there were 18 bombs sprinkled throughout the city. <laughs> like, yeah, everything just got Also, multiplied. don't plant bombs. Sprinkle bombs. It makes things more exciting. Sprinkle them. Uh, I have two lines, and I think they they go into what you're saying. Uh, One is 
uh, Laurel to Lila. And she says, the next time you decide to double cross someone, don't pick a woman who specializes in revenge. She got her associate's degree in revenge. That's what she's all about. She's fine at fighting, but she's a fucking expert. And if you say, like, uh, hey, you're pretty good at fighting, she's like, no, I'm not. I'm good at revenge. (laughs) And then uh, another fucking awesome moment is Dig tells, he's like, everything's going to work out fine. And Ollie's like, what makes you say that? And he's like, you. And I was like, oh. Oh, they're best friends and brothers. Well, Diggle was pointing to a mirror off set because he's directing. Because <laughs> I'm going to direct Stupid the shit Diggle. out of this next. Arrows on uh, Tuesday nights on the CW. Mike, that's it. Did we do such a good job? All right. Yep. <laughs> yeah, we did uh, such a good job. We have job. to do commercials very quickly. I have a bunch of friends downstairs. Mike, you go away. Uh, here to tell us about uh, websites is Ryan doing an impression of Mike. Okay, that's uh, yourpopfilter.com. That's where you can get all of our stuff. And also yourpopfilter.com slash Amazon. That's your new bookmark. And then also patreon.com slash yourpopfilter. Help us out. Pick a tier. Have a tier. That's right. Choose one and cry one little bit because we're going to spend your money. Here to tell us about other podcasts that exists are is Taylor doing an impression of Greg. I love you so much. I love me so much. I love everybody who's not not Taylor. I only love Taylor. <laughs> okay, so here's some podcasts that you can get. Thank you for that, Taylor, your impression of Greg. Uh, you can get Taylor's new podcast uh, called Smurf Porn, where he just has impressions of Greg. Also, make sure to check out The OCD, where Mike and I talk about every episode of The OC, and, of course, Movie of the Year, where we decide what is the best movie of any given year. Here to tell us about social media... Is Mike doing impression of his wife doing an impression of Mike? Thank you. I will. Uh, I will uh, translate that for you. Please make sure that you follow us on Twitter. We're at your pop filter on Instagram. Hey, Mike, come back real quick. Is it at your pop filter? Yes. All right, go away. It is. And then here to tell us about all the ways that you can contact us is Mike's new dog Strudel. Are these your first words, Strudel? Yes, I'm just learning how to talk right now. It's very nice to meet you. You sound like Mike with a bubble in your throat, and I'm worried about what that bubble is, Strudel. Are you being taken care of? (laughs) I I am. The bubble, I ate them. I already ate Mike. Oh, their bubble bubble is is their their bones. bones. Which I think is a perfect... Yes, and can I say, you are twice as handsome as smell. Oh, well, thank you. I would much rather smell worse and be more handsome than the reverse. Yeah. yeah okay. So, the as the way. first person on stage to know English, can, can you tell us about ways to contact us? <laughs> oh yes, I assume uh, I've just learned of a thing called computers. Yeah, start from the, the beginning. Internet. And uh, <laughs> well, before there was the written word and the, the Gutenberg press, I believe. Uh, the Gutenberg press is that the uh, dance that Steve missives. Gutenberg did in all the Police Academy movies? I interrupted you yeah, while you were saying the important now, information, so I'm so sorry. <laughs> No, that's what I was going to tell you, the history of the Gutenberg Press, and it's the dance he did, and now Pete Buttigieg has absconded with it, and all his he little ha- kids are doing it. He has high Don't hopes. vote for Pete Buttigieg. Thank you so much, Strudel. Next week, Mike, I'm not calling you back up. Shut up. Next week, we are going to talk about the Titans season two finale, which may be the series finale, the Raising Dion season finale, which may be the series finale, and the V-Wars. <clears throat> Actually, Mike, come back up. 
the V Wars yes. season premiere. Series premiere. What? What is this like? Netflix's vagina monologues. Monologues did not have enough warring in it. The V. So they added it up. The V stands Cut actually for vagina. vampires' vaginas. Oh, I'm so I intrigued. guess uh, is anybody going to watch that? Somebody should watch it, right? Why? Oh, of us, or do you mean just begging the public? <laughs> no, nobody Somebody watch it, so watch it gets this. canceled, guys. And with that, goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.